Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. You live in Cincinnati. Uh, they do know that, that that medical school is a great one, right? Uh, they do. So it has a tremendous reputation. And, you know, I mean, again, just everybody, we're so thankful that it worked out as well as it did. And, yeah, I mean, it's, it's shown a, a, a positive light on the University of Cincinnati Medical School, that's for sure. It's really good. Well, thank you. Later in the show, we'll try to play I Have a Piano, which is what you're best known <laughs> for. <laughs> I have a piano. This is General George Washington, and you're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. We have passed the threshold on sunrise. I just wanted to tell people that. For a while, it was at 727 in Washington, D.C., Yeah, which is the latest sunrise of the year. Today, we went to 726. We've turned the corner on sunrise. Sunset. Yeah, how are we doing on the back end? Sunset has been getting longer and longer and longer since December 21st. I know I obsess about this. I, I, I know I do. I just wanted to tell you that we have turned the corner on sunrise. Feel pretty I good just wanted to that. say a quick shout out and a thank you to Josh Bickle, the Cincinnati-based photographer uh, who took the photo that uh, Anthony Beeson was talking Works about. Works for AP. Yes. Right? Oh, yep. that's fantastic. Uh, he, he, well, he freelance, but this was yep. for AP on assignment. So thank you. And uh, Anthony Beeson, check your email. Okay, that's great. It's outstanding. I wanted... I have to tell you a story about Chessie, a small sto- story about Chessie. I think I've told this to Michael, but I haven't told it on the air. She is not bothered by police sirens. But when she hears an ambulance, there's a specific, and I don't know if the sound of an ambulance is the same outside of Washington, D.C. I I don't know that. When she hears the sound of an ambulance, she stops still. Now, it has to be within visual sight of Chessie. She has to see the lights. She has to see the car go by. But she stands still and she begins to sing. And it's not a howl. It's not like when dogs howl at the moon. It's not anger. It's not anything. It's a specific kind of programming, a wiring that she has that is so weird. And she looks at the ambulance and she goes, The pitch is exactly the same for 15 or 20 seconds. And if the ambulance is still there and she draws another breath one more time, it's, Aoo! your ability to mimic your dog <laughs> like that. It's not a howl. Right. She's singing. She's, she's like she's joining, singing. I joining she's the sirens. up a prayer. I want to know if any, maybe if somebody, if I'm, so this first, is the new game. At first, this I thought is the this new was game. Does frequency. anybody else do this? Does anybody else's dog do but this? But now it seems like this is more visual in nature. It's so wonderful. Is it's it audio? It's mostly audio. Is mostly it possible audio. that she was a lawyer in a previous life that chased ambulances? an ambulance chaser? It's yeah. possible. But I, you know, why you, you capture the sound of the ambulance driving away? Why but it seems does like she it, it do is only that? triggered when she sees it? Yeah, she has to see it. Why yeah. does she do that? That's f- if she hears it, she looks for it. If she doesn't see it. She doesn't make that. But she again, she, sing. she is a herding dog, so she could be trying to just join that rescue. It's just so wild to me. That is. I'm not mentioning the championship game. Forty will deal Part with of the that. Paw Patrol. It's terrible. Actually, terrible. Um, <laughs> I do want to. There's two things I want to get to. I guess I could get to Carlos Correa, but I'm happy for the Twins because it's an unlikely spot 
for Carlos Correa. When he went there last year, he went there getting an out every single year of his contract. Yep. Presumably there's no out this year. Michael and I were talking about whether or not this is good for baseball or bad for baseball, that it was a significantly shorter term but higher payout per year. You know what I was thinking of? You're coming off of, you look at how the housing market has changed in the last 18 months with various rates, and you, and you looked at what was, what was happening in baseball with these contracts that were creeping up and up and up, and you'd say, okay, I'm willing to overpay for this house if it avoids getting into the bidding war with six other uh, you know, yeah. competitors. And you look at, I'm willing to give you the extra three or four years on the back end, and then rates change, and all of a sudden houses are sitting on the market a little bit longer. This, there was no none of that sitting here. But you looked at that period over Christmas, and you're like, how is this still going on this long? I mean, given what Cohn was saying, this is the final piece that takes us over the top. There is mystery to this that is as yet unreported. For example, Ime Udoka. There is mystery to that still yeah. that is as yet unreported. Steve Cohn spends a lot of money and was really excited to swoop in and take him from the Giants and then found out something on the physical, as the Giants did, that caused them to hiccup a little bit and move backwards. Three weeks went by without a signing, without a comment. Nobody said anything publicly. Well, it turns out he's got a metal plate in his leg. And maybe, maybe, and I'm just saying maybe, maybe that was the straw for the Giants Maybe they don't want to give somebody 12 or 13 years, as both teams offered 12 or 13 years, because their doctors say that's going to disintegrate, that's going to be bad. But the Twins had him for a year, and he didn't miss any games. He never went into the training room, and they loved him. So they gave him six, thinking if we get four, it's okay, because he's a great player. But there's a mystery surrounding this that it's unsatisfactory the way that's, this has ended to me, just to me. I went shopping yesterday. I went to the Safeway yesterday. I went into the ice cream aisle. Mm. I was going to go for Tillamook. But something caught my eye. Hagen dazs used to be about $3, $3.50 per pint. Yeah, yeah, or like two for six often with your number. Yeah, yeah. And then it went up to seven, and then it went up to eight, you know, for two or whatever it is. Now it's sitting over $5 per. Hagen does. I don't know. I don't know why this is. And this is for their small pint that's single use, effectively. Yeah, that's right. I don't know why this is. I don't want to know that the pandemic has changed the way ice cream is made or changed cows in some way that they're not giving. I, I don't. This is nonsense. It's just a company taking advantage of other people raising their rates. Okay. I accept that. It annoys me, but I accept it. Look up the term shrinkflation. I go into the Safeway, and I go to the haagen And not only for the good flavors, is it two for eight, which okay. I think is pretty good. Sure. But they have discontinued brands that they are offering. Now, the expiration date on ice cream is years. It's years. Yeah, it's basically forever. They have discontinued brands that they're offering for two ninety four. Yeah, nothing wrong with dairy here. Two ninety four for Hagen Dazs. Hmm. Under three for Hagen Dazs, and I got two dark Belgian chocolate chips. A discontinued. I'm surprised flavor. that's discontinued, or is it so just out of season? I don't. I didn't know that ice cream was seasonal. Yeah. I didn't know that. I mean, I think some ice creams like peach ice cream and strawberry ice cream are seasonal in the sense that you see more of them in the summer because sure. there's more available yeah. fruit, even though they don't give you much fruit at all. Yeah, I, I, mean, pay, I pay full freight for Liz's coffee chip. 
Coffee Chip was there. It was two for eight. Yeah. At the Safeway. They were nice. I stayed away from the two for eight. I just I just bought two for two ninety four each. Felt really good about that. <laughs> now, did you try for some of that seafood salad you normally get? Didn't get any of that. Discontinued brands. Hmm. Discontinued. What flavors? So they can't sell it if it's rotten. If no. it's got rat hair in it, they can't sell it. No, but I did work at a at a grocer's at one point in my my very That's, career. Grocery is different. And everything's we, we would supposed have, to be fresh there. We would have salad dressing, and the expiration date was say I don't know May fifth or whatever. You know. Night smudge it out. <laughs> he would just yeah. smudge it out and say, "What well, are you really allowed to do?" There's like, "What if it's a couple of days over? It's going to kill yeah, you." It's oil based. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> Let me get to the big story. It's very shady. Michael, tell the people about my socks. So normally, Dad and I like to check in uh, during the morning on on non show days, and I get a very animated voicemail for it from you, which I still have not read. Now your voicemails are actually just in the sounds of like one minute sound bites that are old guy radio of old. Uh, and it's, it's, you're going full Monday Night Football. There's a clock in your mind, and you get out. So you, uh, you realize that, I don't know, maybe your toe is sticking out of the front of your sock, and you need some new socks. I need new socks. So you're wondering, where can gold I go toe. to when pick they, up when you buy gold, the gold toe, toe socks? That's your... they, you think the gold toe is reinforced? I don't think so. I think it's got less material in it because I'm sticking my feet through it all the time. Well, this mm-hmm. lasted a good two years because this is the this is from is the right? package of socks that you purchased for me. I believe back in the spring of 2020 when I was looking for a new new pair of socks myself. And you didn't like the socks? No, I, I threw these in the corner of my old bedroom. So I, used which them. of course went back to you. <laughs> I yeah. I bought them. So you asked where you, where you could get I these socks. And of course, I give you the option of same-day shipping from Amazon. <laughs> I, I show you a couple of different styles. And I'm assuming that you want what is a traditional comfort, you know, sport, casual sock, the mid-calf, a crew sock. Goes up uh, just past the middle, uh, you know, the calf. It, it stays in place. No, no, no. You want full coverage. You want Look. this above the calf. Shapeless. Oh, right through. I'm where sorry. You have to, where, you oh, have yeah. to, where you have to create. I want tube your socks. Own, that yes. is a, yeah. You have to create your own space. I want in the tube shapeless socks sock to go over your my ankle. calf. <laughs> yeah, I want iris socks, as we yes. used to call so them. So I, I mentioned to you that if you're going to Safeway or CVS, probably in the old person medicine aisle, there'd be some tube socks for you. But you said shapeless you, you were socks. so upset that I wanted what I wanted. <laughs> You just said oh, I was just confused. Garbage. I have not seen these. It's like if you decided to wear a pair of sanitary socks <laughs> from a baseball team in the fifties, right? So right. you mean like this? Yeah. Well, not quite that high. But <laughs> those, those are, are hiking high. socks. <laughs> well, no, these, these those are, are pretty high. These are Tacovas. The Tacovas socks, which are fantastic. I've got them because I. I mean, I've, I've worn yes. I've worn those medicinal socks for swollen ankles. When you wear an airplane. Oh, sure, like compression socks? Compression socks. Right. I wear them a lot when I wear actual shoes. I haven't worn shoes in a couple of years. I'm just wearing sneakers almost every day. But I like the unformed tube sock. And Michael, Michael had a, a reaction to it. Yeah, a reaction to it like, oh my God, <laughs> how could anybody do that? Don't tell any of my friends that this no, is t- what I'm were. telling all my friends. You know the friends that I have. You know, uh, so yeah, it sucks have, have gone. Can you? But you, you got them for me. Pack have, of three. Uh, yes, and okay, it's going to arrive who tomorrow. Orders, who orders the pack of three? Uh, so here's what happened. I canceled that order because I was trying to get same day shipping or overnight for you. And, and if, you know, of course, it's if you meet a certain price threshold, which mm. I don't know, three pairs of socks was just shy of yeah, surprise. Of course surprise. it was. So we added some. Uh, you know, we were always looking for wipes and. What not for the kids. So I believe after this show tapes, those tube socks will, will be go waiting you. for you on my front steps. Okay. 
So and but it was. And I certainly won't take them from you. I think I think that <laughs> no it's, it's fair for me to say that you reacted to what I wanted with disgust. Yes, with disgust. disgust. Because it's not it's not classy. It's not no, country clubby. Not a, that's not at all. It's more just there's a shift in our relationship where you are now fully embracing and entering that grandpa Tony role, <laughs> and now I'm beginning to see you as Ira, and I'm about to I'm about to fire up the car, drive 45 minutes to go pick up some spices. Spices, with you. pumpkin spice. Um, but cumin is what he used to go 45 miles to get cumin. Which slap is, a 20 on the counter. Not in any recipes at all. But I've also been wearing these socks for 100 years. I like these socks. Yeah, I just, I'm just disappointed when I stick my toe through them about you know one month in. Yeah, now that's that's poor design. Yeah, gold I think toe. gold toe socks they've been around a while. They've been I think around. They figured out the toe box. Yeah. So <laughs> anyway, so that's I've got that look to look forward to, which is nice. Just three pair. It's okay. I barely get you through the feet. weekend. Yeah, we'll see what happens. The this, dog is over with Michael now. The, the dog's dog, very the, animated the, this morning. Well, I think maybe because she heard me imitate her singing. Oh. Could that be was it. weird. That was weird. Like I right, will take like. a break. Is Chuck Todd next? Chuck Todd is Chuck next. Chuck Todd, when we return, I'm Tony Kornheiser. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast this is the tony kornheiser show This is sent to us by Marcus Dowd, who writes, Last time I wrote, you were kind enough to play my old friend's music, Solo Rio. So I returned for a second pass and a third time to declare that my place, the Idlewild Inn, be named the official TK show Bed and Breakfast. Look it up. I perform many a wedding here because, well, it's my place and my wife's. And thanks to my 27 seconds on the internet and that wonderful seminary, Universal Life Church, which you and I both attended. I didn't, but you did. Nigel did. I assert that the story behind this friend's connection to the show is quite something. Ed Hume is one of those multi-talented people who works hard without even trying, if you know what I mean. He worked a regular job for a long time and was only able to satisfy his creative impulses in his spare time, the first of which was making stringed instruments, especially mandolins. Somewhere along the way, he decided to learn how to play those instruments, and after finally retiring, he's produced his first album, released only a couple of weeks ago. This is a lovely song. Isn't it? By Ed Hume. It's called For Love. It plays in Chuck Todd. And Chuck Todd, of all people, because of his French horn background, would appreciate how hard it must be to make 
a stringed instrument like a mandolin, right? That must be so hard. I, I, I wouldn't even begin to know, you know, how you pick your wood out, hollowing out the wood. Different woods would make different sounds. Yes. How yes. deep the hole is. I mean, think about all of those things that go into it. Feels like you need to be a, a, a good engineer too. Yeah, it's so much easier to interview Kevin McCarthy than to make a mandolin. It's just yeah. so. <laughs> you much. know, you'd think it'd be easy to interview Kevin McCarthy. He, he seems to have an allergy towards some of us. But really, that's maybe, amazing. Uh, we, I don't we, know. We can clear up that allergy. Yeah, maybe good. it's because he appears to be the world's biggest loser at the moment, giving up every single thing he wanted from the office in order to get the office, knowing the price of everything and the value of nothing. Tony Isn't that said. how Mike McCarthy got his job at the Dallas Cowboys? <laughs> yeah. yeah wow. McCarthy thing, yeah. Chuck, uh, Chuck had a rough week last week. We gave him the Buffalo game. That was always an optional game. It's in an if-win. That was about the only one know. I could win. Yeah, you were 3-5. Yeah. and five. So you're now under Mount 500 with the playoffs to come, though. So the playoffs maybe are a little bit easier to pick, I think, but I'm not sure. 61, 62, and 2. These games, these games seem way too easy to pick, which means we're, we're missing something. It's probably true. That's probably true. Um, okay, so let's start. We're going to do these in order of the day of the week, the Saturday games, the Sunday games, the Monday night games. ESPN got really lucky on this Monday night game. They got to, they're going to get the highest That's number That's going to be a fun one, yeah. Highest number of the year. I hear it wasn't luck. I mean, I hear that was part of the deal. Like, they 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 paid for the first pick. For the first Monday night? What? So Yeah, that they this was part of their, like, they were desperate to have something special. They were tired of having the worst game. Didn't they used to get the worst game? Yes, no. but if you get the 5-4, which they got, that yeah. is the worst game. And yet, because it's well, Dallas and Brady, it becomes wise. the best yeah. game. Yeah. It does. Yeah. All right, we'll it's start. The best game for TV and Stephen A, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start uh, with the Saturday game. Seattle is at San Francisco. San Francisco has won 10 games in a row. Seattle played its way in. Seattle is plus nine and a half. They are in the same division, so they're used to each other. That may cut down the differential here, even if you like San Francisco. But Seattle gets nine and a half. Who you got? Who you got? I'm curious. Do you think this is the biggest spread of the three teams San Francisco was going to play? Detroit and Green Bay, do you think that would have been slightly narrower? I don't think with Detroit they would have been slightly narrower. I don't because Detroit is mostly an offensive team and San Francisco's got the best defense. So I don't yeah. yeah. The only thing that scares me about Seattle is what you just mentioned. Same division. Yep. No and, each other. And and Pete Carroll does seem to, to but this seems so lopsided. Yep. Seattle just seems so outmanned. And the playoffs always feel like they expose the uh, the only concern I have is Brock Purdy's first playoff game. Right, like we sh- we're sort of blowing past that as if oh, Kyle Shanahan's got this. You know, it doesn't matter. Um, but I'll take San Francisco just because I I think if you take an underdog, you have to believe they can win the game, and I just don't believe Seattle can win this game. All right. Um, well, you took the Giants last week. You took an underdog. You didn't. Believe uh, you know you that won. whole everything about last week. I, I my only excuse is. I didn't fully appreciate who was playing and who wasn't right. by Wednesday. I think I think within two hours, I saw Justin Fields wasn't playing. I was like, "Oh no!" Ooh, like, did I, yeah. I? This whole thing is whiffed. Like, I was like, "Just throw those picks away." Yeah. Right. Anyway. Next game, Los Angeles Chargers with a great young quarterback and perhaps a new coach next year to tutor that young quarterback are at the Jacksonville Jaguars. Jacksonville is probably the biggest surprise to make the playoffs, given what their record was. 
last year. We're all happy for Jacksonville, but it is a surprise. They've got a great young quarterback as well. This was Pickham yesterday. It's already going up to Chargers minus one and a half. When, I, when Nigel sent me the list and I saw Pickham, I said, really? The Chargers are a significantly better team yeah. than Jacksonville. So I was a little bit surprised. Now at least it's one and a half. Who you got? You think this guy's coaching for his job? I do. Uh, well, Wilbon insists he is. I'm not sure. He made the playoffs. I think that's enough. But he's a wild man on fourth downs. He's a wild man. So, yeah. you know. Peterson will be, too. I mean, this will be a, a game with a few punts. Because both these coaches are, are, are like to go for it. Yep. Uh, I, 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 you know, the Chargers are the one team here. If you said, hey, who's the, the one team that could win three on the road and suddenly end up in the Super Bowl? The Chargers are one of those teams uh, in my head. Um, so I like them a lot. So I give me them. But um, the uh, I guess the winner here, the loser quarterback here, becomes sort of, right, they, they automatically drop down to the, to the second tier of young quarterbacks. I don't know. I, I mean, I don't. I think they're both real good. I, it I just do. Feels like the the one who wins here will be seen as oh yeah. look what this guy can do. Well, that's what happened the one to that Burrow. Loses, well, becomes oh I don't know maybe he needs a little more time. Like I, it just will will over it'll you know the over whatever you call it the over overrating or over overreaction overreaction Monday. All right, yeah. next game, the team of your youth Miami was getting ten and a half at Buffalo. And overnight, it went down to nine at Buffalo. Somebody must like Miami. Miami went and played Buffalo very, very well just a few weeks ago in Buffalo when it was colder than it is going to be this weekend. Maybe it went to nine because they said two was going to play. I don't know that. I don't know that. I don't think if Tua doesn't play, and maybe even if he does, I don't think Miami can win a playoff game. So this is strictly points. Buffalo hasn't covered all – Buffalo and Kansas City haven't covered, haven't covered. all that mm-hmm. much. Although in this particular case, I sort of like Buffalo. I think Miami played its best game in Buffalo already. But if you want the nine, it's yours. The, um, there's no way Tua plays, right? The NFL – I wouldn't think. I mean, I would – if the NFL wouldn't – I mean, I, I'm not saying that the NFL is going to like it, have some hidden hand with Steve, with, with Steve Ross or whatever – don't you play Tua, but good grief. I mean, I don't want to watch him play. You'll be cringing every time he drops back to pass. He's in the wrong business. I said this the other day on television. He doesn't just get hurt often. He gets hurt badly. These are not broken fingers. They're not. He's just in the wrong profession. No, and and I'll be honest, it's hard to watch. You're just, it it is. it's, It's hard to watch. Um. Look, I think Teddy Bridgewater would give him a, 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 a you know, I mean, certainly better than Skylar Thompson. I think was the, was that the guy's name? I hope Skyler I got that name right. Skylar, somebody or other. I keep wanting to call him Bryce Thompson or Skylar. I don't know, one of those millennial names. Um, uh, give me Buffalo. Same same reasoning. I, I and I know it's a lot of points. It's a divisional game, but I mean, no, I think Buffalo. You know, I I don't want to be in. I don't want to be betting against them yet. Okay. Put it that way. I think emotion matters. The New York, Giants are, New York Giants are at Minnesota. If, if there was any one team in the playoffs where you'd say they're just not any good, that would be Tampa Bay. They're just not any good. They may beat Dallas. They're just not any good. But if there was any team that had done well all year where you said, I'm not betting on them, that would be Minnesota. I don't know that you want to bet on the Giants. 
But the Giants get three at Minnesota. This is the most popular underdog pick. This is sort of the, this is the trendy underdog pick. Everybody's picking Giants. Oh, right? Giants are going to beat, beat mm. the Vikings mm. because of everything you just said. Yep. And uh, I, I'll take, you know, who's the better coach? Something looks like it's this Dayball guy. Dayball is pretty and, good. And who, which team has the better defense? I, you know, looks like the Giants have the better defense. And in a playoff game, that, that all seems to matter. What, two and a half or three? Three is what I've got. Three. This, that, well, to me, that's what the game will be. So I'll take the Giants plus the three. I'd rather have the points than not. Of all the things that won't surprise me in this game, Minnesota winning by 30 is the one that won't surprise me the most. It won't. Because that's- they're due. They're due for one good game. But we'll see. We'll see. Here we go. Baltimore is at Cincinnati. They are... Rivals, uh, this game could have been a coin flip game, except Baltimore lost the other day when Cincinnati won. This is a division game. Baltimore is getting seven and a half. I do not know at 8.30 in the morning on Wednesday, I don't know the status of Lamar Jackson. I don't think anybody knows the status of Lamar Jackson other than he ought to hire an agent. That's what he ought to do. That ought to be his status. They are a far, far, far better team with Lamar Jackson. They don't score at all without Lamar Jackson, but their defense, and this may surprise people, because they used to be great on defense, and then they weren't for a couple of years. Their defense ranks third in the entire NFL in points allowed. So they can hold you down, I think. Seven and a half, who you got? Do you, um, this idea that somehow Lamar could show up at practice today and they'd be ready with Lamar, do you buy that? I, I, I actually do, because... All their other quarterbacks, they run the same offense. They don't change anything. Right. So I do buy that. That doesn't mean I buy that he's ready to go. And also I wonder, and I do wonder this, he's got a contract negotiation right in front of him. He bet on himself. He may not want to go out there and have a bad game. That would hurt him. Well, that's the thing that I've I've been trying to figure out. On one hand, playing, he needs to play perhaps to to improve his contract status. On the other hand, a bad game yeah. would be a problem. Yep. Um, so I, I assume it means he doesn't play. Um, and Cincinnati seemed like they had a little edge to them in that Baltimore game. Um, you know, it's really tempting. There are going to be a lot of three-way bets of Cincinnati, Buffalo, San Francisco, just bet the three of them to win. Right. And, and I keep thinking about that and which teams of those three – which team is most likely to get upset? And it's this one, right? It's the Ravens. Like, yes, it is. What's the improbable upset? We'll somehow win a game that's 17-16, and you have no idea how they got the 17 points. Um, but um, so give me the Ravens and the points. That, that, that hook, the hook. Seven and a half is what you get. It went up from six. Yeah. It's a good number. And the last mm-hmm. game – is the game that everyone in America will watch. Because everybody watches Dallas anyway, and everybody watches Tom Brady. It's Dallas at Tampa Bay. Dallas could not come into the playoffs on a worse note. They were so awful against Washington. Dak Prescott was so awful against Washington. He has had pick sixes in three of his last four games. He has had 15 interceptions in 12 games. He has gone seven straight games with at least one interception. This is not a small sample size. Dak Prescott got paid a billion dollars and started out taking over for Cooper Rush, and they look great, and they don't look great right now. 
Tampa Bay is a bad football team. But if Tom Brady's close in the fourth, he wins. It, it's, it's remarkable. There's a, part, a point in the game where somehow he drinks the blood of some animal <laughs> and he becomes Tom Brady again for 15 minutes or less. But it doesn't matter because he wins the I game. Think it's a, I think it's a German lab in your, uh, somewhere that, that he gets these. It's unbelievable. Right? unbelievable. Somewhere in Europe. Minus two and a half. Dallas is a two and a half point road favorite. Who you got? What does ESPN daytime programming want? A Dallas loss, right? Like that becomes the biggest story of the week next week. Yes. Dallas loses. Yes. Becomes about McCarthy, a Jerry Jones. Somebody's going to remind in daytime that there's teams that won games and that actually the playoffs will continue. But if Dallas loses, it feels like it would be just a massive earthquake um, in Jones's head. Um, if Dallas I, loses this game, like you asked me about Brandon Staley, yeah. if Dallas loses this game, I can't imagine Mike McCarthy surviving it, and I can't imagine Jerry Jones not calling Sean Payton personally. That doesn't yeah. mean he'll take it, because he may not how want times, Dak Prescott. How often did he not fire Jason Garrett? That's it's the only Years yeah. and years and years and years. Yeah. You're yeah. right. I said that yesterday. He, he yeah. screams, but then he doesn't actually pull the trigger. I, I, I will be honest, for the pure car wreck gawking uh, perspective, I hope Dallas loses. Right. Because <laughs> there's the whole watching Jerry Jones lose it and all of that and McCarthy. I, as, a, as a fan of watching, of, of, of watching Dallas lose, that, that would be nice. I just don't believe it. This is a terrible coaching matchup, by the way. I don't know if anybody's keeping track of that either. These are two guys that I'm not convinced. No. Get it right when, no. when 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 the clock when your clock needs managing and all of that stuff. It's two and a half, right? Two and a half. I think Dallas finds a way to win. It'll be ugly. Brady will. There'll be some moment where Brady has it. You know. You know Brady's uh, never lost to Dallas in his career. He's seven and up. You know, and and what is it about outdoor grass? I heard some excuse about Dak grass. And Dallas and grass. And, They're and slowed grass. down on actual grass. That's people cling to every idiotic analytic possible. <laughs> it's got to be the grass. That's the explanation. If it wasn't for the grass, yeah. Dak would be in the Hall of Fame already. So you'll take Dallas? <laughs> yeah, I'll take okay. Dallas. Okay. Because what I want to happen, I know won't happen, which oh. is the, you know Dallas losing it and Jerry losing his mind. Thank you, Chuck. All right, guys. Chuck Bye. Todd, boys and girls. It's always a pleasure to have him. If we just gave you Chuck Talk, it'd be enough. Unless he's the host of Meet the Press. But we do more. We give you a monkey. See the monkey, he's scritch, scritch, scratching. Watching his iPad, smoking and laughing. Hanging with Bud Grant, tap, tap, tapping on his purple Sing attache. along, everybody. Nigel's going to the zoo, zoo, zoo. zoo. Reginald's got the bikes by two. Sometimes he throws poo, poo, poo. And he's had too much Johnny Walker blue. So, so I, I went down to the uh, the National Zoo uh, yesterday, and uh, Reginald was uh, busy hosting a party for the new members of the, the House and the Senate. Yeah, like, George something Santos, he, was he there? He was actually, that's funny you said that, he We're was actually speaking to George Santos. Santos was talking about the time he stormed Normandy Beach, of course. which was fantastic. He also... Uh, was, well, when he, when he saw me, he said, he said, well, you may not know this about me, I was a board up for the Tony Kornheiser show really? years ago, and mm. wanted me to remind you that, yes, he is Jewish... I'm sorry, he's Jewish, ish. not Jewish. He's ish. There's a lot of ish. 
<laughs> Since Ish Smith. He's the new Ish Smith. Yes, he is. So uh, once I'd gotten that out of the way, I cornered Reginald. We went over to some of these matches. And the first one he gave him was uh, Jacksonville at home getting a point and a half from the Chargers. I want to say San Diego. But Everybody yes, says San Diego. Chargers. And he showed me a, a video of clips of him eating at every single Waffle House in Jacksonville. Mm. It's about 432. So... That tells me he likes the area, and he will take the Jaguars in that okay. guy. Uh, now, the next one we gave him was Minnesota at home, giving three to the Giants. and uh, He's going with the Vikes by two. Showed me performing in the ice capades uh, with Chuck Foreman, Anthony Carter, and, yes, Bud Grant, who, by the way, skates in shorts and no shirt whatsoever. Of course he does. Yes. Of course he does. It's very impressive. Now, the last match we gave him was Cincinnati at home, giving seven and a half to the Ravens. And he showed me a photograph of him. Uh, at a golf course, I think it must have been Otis Saga. Johnny Bench was there. Cesar Geronimo. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that's the golf course. It's called the Leatherstocking Golf Course. Is that what it is? Yeah, yes. right off Lake Lake Otsego. Yeah, cool. Eighteenth tee. Yeah. So he's taking Cincinnati. I think he's going to take the Bengals. Yes. So he's taking three home teams. Chuck took four road teams. I didn't want to bring that up to Chuck because he would have <laughs> had a conniption. All right, we'll take a break. When we come back, Pat Forty. And we'll go back into that debacle <laughs> on Monday night. I'm Tony Kornheiser. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Once again, this is Ed Hume, and once again, I read from Marcus Dowd. Upon hearing the songs, I told him about the success I'd found submitting another friend's songs to this lousy show. I asked him if he'd ever heard of Tony Kornheiser, but Ed's not a sports guy. So I told him we had an interesting connection with the show because a guy who worked the board long ago went on to make the shows that another common friend of ours, John, had done the art design for. Greg Garcia, Ed asked? I believe he still has a painting of mine hanging in his office. It's of a couple of characters from one of his first shows, My Name is Earl. That's right, Ed's a painter too. And though he had never met Mr. Garcia, John, who worked on many Garcia shows, and Greg will respond to this today, (laughs) had delivered the painting to his boss, and last Ed heard, it was still hanging in Greg's office. Lastly, and I think this is another good one, a couple of weeks ago in PTI, Wilbon tried to remember an old quote by saying something along the lines of, it ain't bragging if you can back it up, which isn't quite right. Neither of you tried to credit the aphorism. Might I refer you to the brilliant Dan Byrne album of many years ago, 50 Eggs, and a song called Tiger Woods. In that song, the lyrics, it ain't bragging if it's true. Muhammad Ali said that back when he was Cassius Clay. On that album are nothing but gems, some sports related like an ode to Monica Seles, among others. We get off the subject. This song is called Monroe Station Blues. It's by Ed Hume. And Michael, if people like Ed Hume or friends of Ed Hume want to submit their songs, how do they do it? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at tonycornizershow.com. And that plays in Pat Forty who had the great line last week when I asked him would Stetson Bennett, the fourth, get into the pros, and he said, no, he'll never spend a dime for dinner in his life in Georgia, and he'll open up Stetson Bennett Chevy. Um, That game was brutal. You had to be there. I could at least go to sleep at halftime. You had to be there. What was that like? Uh, Still better for me than those in the stands who were getting rained on in a covered stadium. 
Uh, it was, weather was really bad by L.A. standards, and it was pouring rain, and this is, you know, there are no sides, basically, to this stadium, so it was coming in on everybody. For me, no, it was just crushingly boring watching the game uh, and then trying to write about it. But, you know, the old sports writer saying if, it, if it's over early, that at least gives us more time to write. So we did have that. But, I mean, it was, it was a bad mismatch that was inevitable, like evident from the absolute beginning. It reminded me a lot of the Alabama-Notre Dame game a decade earlier where it's like one possession each team, and you're like, all right, we're done here. We, we, we got nothing in terms of a competitive game. The only question I had, and I did not – Watch the second half, and I consulted the box score. And Georgia had 44 rushes, which is really a lot, and only 25 passes. And I figured most of those passes were probably in the first half. But did they run it up? Uh, no, well, I'm, I didn't watch much of the fourth quarter after they took Stetson Bennett out. I just right. put my head down and started writing. Right. Yeah, right. To the, to the best of my recollection, no. No, they did not. I mean, they, you know, backup quarterback really didn't do much. Uh, you know, they took Stetson out with 13 minutes to play. I think there was there was uh, maybe a late turnover that helped give them good field position to score. And, I mean, they were just so superior to TCU across the board that you didn't even have to try that hard to score. Uh, it's funny, afterwards, Kirby Smart credited his scout team defense, the backups, for – learning TCU's defense, and as he put it, he said, we wanted them to, to give us a better look than TCU was going to give us. And he was right, because if you look at the backups that Georgia's got, they're all four-star and five-star recruits. And so they, you got great players out there to go against, and they were, their backups were better than TCU's starters in a lot, of, uh, a lot of instances. Did Sonny Dykes say anything afterwards that was interesting in terms of run it up or being outclassed or this, that, or the other thing? No, I mean, he had not, he said it snowballed on us, you know, and, yeah. you know, I think there was an acknowledgement that it was going to be a, a big uphill climb no matter what. And, uh, you know, when, when it started badly, things just absolutely got away from him. And whether it was the size of the stage, the brightness of the lights, or just the fact that Georgia was superior to them physically at the at the line of scrimmage and on the perimeters as well. Uh, you know, I think probably all those things combined to, to okay. make this just a nightmare. So we had a question yesterday on PTI, which is what does this say about college football? And Wilbon always takes the following position. It doesn't say anything about anything. It's just one game. There'll be a championship next year. It doesn't say anything. And I took a different position. I said it was bad for college football because it proved without a shadow of a doubt that the SEC first and the Big Ten second are the only conferences that matter. And I said that once you get in, and I know, Pat, you like the 12-team playoff, but once you get into the 12-team playoff and you get down to six or eight, I'm not going to be surprised if it's all SEC and Big Ten, especially with the addition of Texas and Oklahoma and the addition of USC and UCLA. Feel free to refute me, but I thought this was bad for college football. Well, I, I can take a little bit from both of you guys. I mean, sometimes there's just a matchup in a championship game that, that goes awry. Well, I mean, remember there was a run of Super Bowl blowouts that was just ungodly. Not, not, as, not as bad as 65-7. to seven. But as a, as a Bronco fan, I remember many blowouts right. in the Super Bowl. Uh, so sometimes that just happens. Uh, in the, to the bigger picture, I mean, yeah, your point that those two leagues – 
are outstripping everyone else is valid uh, and going to get worse because that's where the money is going to be, yes. and that's where the imperative to be good at football is. You know, you can have a Clemson, which had a run, and I think is probably the run's probably over. I mean, they, they, they're going to have good teams. Maybe every once in a while they can pop a, a semifinal team in a playoff or something like that. Uh, you're going to be Florida State's coming back. Uh, you know, the, the TCUs uh, slash Baylors of the world could have a, a great year. Somebody from the Pac-12 could jump up. But more often than not, it's going to be an SEC team and a couple of Big Ten teams, you know, several SEC teams and a couple yes. of Big Ten teams at the top of the heap. And the way the revenue distribution is going, I don't see anything that changes that. If it, it, it will really only just exacerbate it. So you, you bring a perspective to this. Uh, the best, one of the best teams I ever saw was the Joe Burrow LSU team. I mean, they killed people. I mean, the, the amount of points they scored was really something. Georgia's won two in a row, though. Georgia went 15-0 and this year after 15 players were drafted. That's just unbelievable. How good, Pat, is Georgia? Uh, incredible. I mean, to your point, probably neither this team nor last year's team were as spectacular as that one LSU team, but yeah. this is two years in a row, yeah. and... I mean, to go 15-0 after losing 15 players, five first-round draft picks on defense alone. It's unbelievable. I mean, it's just it's, it's staggering. It really is. Uh, you know, hey, their life passed before their eyes against Ohio State. Ohio State had the chance to beat them. Yep. But to a man, it was amazing how many Georgia people were just disgusted with their performance in that game. It was like, like they knew they did not play anywhere near their best. We saw them at their best. Uh, against TCU, and that's what it looks like when you have to play Georgia. That's what they did to Oregon. That's what they did to Tennessee during the season. Uh, you know, I mean, they were an incredible dominant force. And, you know, for to do it two years in a row, 29 out of 30 in an era where players leave school early and then there were where players transfer a lot, wow. And, like, let's start with them number one for next year, too, because until – proven otherwise i think they're, they're the team to beat i think i'm right on this but i could be wrong i don't know that there are crossover games in the sec and if there are not then it seems to me the only game they have to worry about is whether lsu or alabama gets them in the sec championship right yeah i mean like next year their schedule is really easy mm. um i think they they had a game scheduled against oklahoma and the sec basically had them unschedule it once Oklahoma was coming into the league. Right. So, you know, that's replaced with a cupcake. And so they, they, yeah, they do not, they're non, their crossover games are neither LSU nor Alabama. Uh, I can't remember who they are, but, but it's not the, the top of the heap. So that, you look at Georgia's schedule, and I don't see any challenges there. We'll see. They've got to go uh, to Knoxville. But, but other than that, uh, it's, it sets up very well for them. How do you know? Nick Saban shows up at the game and he sits down with ESPN and he has the gall to wear that Aflac blue blazer. I mean, God, I wanted to just rip that off his body if I could have. But how do you think he feels looking at Georgia? Uh, like he's looking at his own program in 2011 and 12. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, like they've got it 
rolling at such a high level. Uh, you know, they've got every box checked. They're superbly coached by a guy who was his protege. They're sitting on an unbelievable gold mine of local talent. You know, I think he's got to look and say, hmm, I hope we can beat him sometime, but I don't know. You know, that I, I think that there's a chance that, that Alabama's window is closed. Um, so, you know, if, if, if that's the case, then good Lord, who's going to stand up to, uh, to Georgia? Is Kirby Smart that good or is he lucky? Because he's recruited well and he knows he's got a plan that works. I think he's become that good. Uh, I used to think he was not very good in games. He gets pretty wound up, and I think he sometimes has made some bad decisions uh, or lost his team has lost composure in big games. But I don't see that anymore. I think the last couple of years, I used to say that you could count on one game a year where his team would absolutely melt down, and I don't think that's the case anymore. I think they, he's figured it out. He's, he's, he's very smart. He has a real personal one-on-one charisma that really helps him in recruiting. He's, you know, he's able to, to, uh, to connect with, with young people. And uh, the, here's the scary thing. He's 47 years old. I mean, if, if he doesn't get bored – and he stays in good health, and he doesn't want to go to the NFL, we're looking at the rest of the 2020s and 2030s with Kirby at Georgia. Well, it's what we did with, with Saban, you know, at, uh, yep. at Alabama. Um, the one question mark, I guess, as Stetson Bennett rides off into the Chevy dealership and then joins <laughs> AARP next week, <laughs> they need a quarterback. Do they have a quarterback? Yeah, they like their backups. Carson Beck, uh, Brock Vandergriff, those guys were – Super highly recruited, you know, uh, four-star, five-star guys that just quite frankly, you know, they, they were not going to get ahead of Stetson, not after last year when Stetson proved what he could do. Right. And, you know, they'll get their chance. And, again, this is another thing with that, with that easy schedule. They've got a time to, to look, kind of ease in with that new quarterback and let him develop and figure some things out. Uh, so, you know, I, they, are they going to have a guy who's the – Offensive MVP of four straight playoff games? Uh, probably not, but you know they, they don't need a superstar quarterback probably next year to be extremely good. And you don't think they go into the transfer portal? You think they like what they've got? Probably. You know, they haven't been real big shoppers in the, in the portal. Uh, they've got a couple receivers coming in for next year, big-time SEC receivers, but I think they're uh, willing to roll with the quarterbacks they have at this point. Okay. Plug your podcast for us. Yo, happy to do so. College Football Inquirer uh, with Dan Wetzel, Ross Dellinger. It's college football, but it's also a bunch of falderall and all the big college issues of the time. We're actually in uh, San Antonio for the NCAA convention right now. And, uh, and my daughter's here because she's a finalist for NCAA Woman of the Year. So I'll tell her you said hello. Oh, please oh, do. And wow. wish her all the luck in the world. So she's back from South America for a while. Briefly, yes. She got away from where they're trying to overthrow the government in Peru. And uh, she's here for, for like well, three days. Well, she's a college and... kid. Let her join in in that. <laughs> That's what we all did. Let's overthrow the government today, kids. <laughs> Thank you, Pat. Thank you, Tony. Pat Forty, boys and girls. We'll take a break. We have uh, email and jingle when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. 
At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter your search based on the qualities that are most important to you. Then you can book a free 15-minute consultation call with any therapist you're interested in seeing. So you can get a feel for whether they're the right fit before you commit to a full-length session. Alma also makes it easy for mental health care providers to navigate insurance. That's why 95% of therapists in their directory accept insurance for sessions. So you can find care that's affordable without stressing about the paperwork. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com therapy60 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com therapy60. You're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. Here comes Tony's mailbag. Got email, faxes, and you know. Here comes Tony's mailbag. Got some for all of you folks. Banjo playing by Eric DeLong and the Slappy Boys. <laughs> I love that name, the Slappy Boys. <laughs> Just love that. Najee, you want to do the Bethesda Bagel ad for us? Yes, Bethesda Bagels. We love them. You will as well. Just go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you. Then pop on in and you'll be thrilled. That's it for us. Before we get to the mailbag, let me just say everywhere I hear the sound of marching, charging feet, boy, because summer's here and the time is right for fighting in the streets, boy. Well, now what can a poor boy do except to sing for a rock and roll band? Because in sleepy London town, there's just no place for a street fighting man. That's Mick Jagger, Michael Philip Jagger, for whom my son is named, sort of, kind of. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> kind of. Thanks to our guests today, Chuck Todd and Pat PR Forty. Name. Thanks as well to today's sponsors, ZipRecruiter and MeUndies. <laughs> Michael did a great read. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Odyssey. If you get the show through Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. It's time to treat yourself. TK Nerve gets you a nice little discount at Johnny O. Try Nerve. the cashmere. Yeah. TK Nerve. Pinch Nerve right mm. down my back. Their cashmere is great. Yeah. Those sweaters are great. Another couple cold weeks. Uh, we mm. have a Dan Byrne email, which is fabulous. Dear guys, dear fellows. If the Cigna and FedEx problems persist, once after getting hit by a car pulling out of a parking space, admittedly their fault, Geico offered me 25%. I wrote a song out called F. Geico and sent it to them, advising them that as a world-famous singer, I'd soon be playing it at my shows. A week later, I got a check for the full amount. Happy to help should the need arise. Dan Byrne. P.S. I'll be opening for Roger Daltrey in Clearwater, Florida on February 11th. Shouts of the cheesery could bring a chorus of Victor Wembanyama. How <laughs> fabulous is that? Uh, Just... he, he will be playing at Jammin', Jammin' Java on next this, week, right? The 20th. Yeah, the okay. 20th of January. So today's the 11th. Yeah. So that's the next weekend. Yeah. Tomorrow's the 12th. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And the 13th follows <laughs> that, I believe. From Stan Longoffer. This is going to take a while. Stan Longoffer in Wichita, Kansas. Listening to your discussion about Glengarry Glen Ross prompted me to ask the woman to whom I'm related by marriage to list the best American plays. Dr. Julie Longhoffer earned a PhD in dramatic literature and history from the University of Illinois. She's the smartest person I've ever known. According to Mrs. D.L., Mrs. Dr. L., rather, on the list of the best American plays in no particular order, Long Day's Journey into Night, Eugene O'Neill, which I have always said is great, as is The Iceman Cometh. You know, either of them, fine. All My Sons by Arthur Miller. Streetcar Named Desire by Tennessee Williams, not to be confused with the musical Streetcar portrayed on an episode of The Simpsons. <laughs> Any of the Century plays by August Wilson, Fences If You Must Pick One, Our Town by Thornton Wilder, and Buried Child by Sam Shepard. 
I am more familiar with Sam Shepard's acting work. I know he was a great playwright. Yes. I do not know his plays. This does not have the Arthur Miller play that I would have, Death of a Salesman, number one. When you list All My Sons by Arthur Miller instead, and there's other plays, you could list The Crucible, Crucible sure. by Arthur Miller as well. When you do that to me, it's sort of a humble brag. Just sort of a humble brag. <laughs> you show me how smart you are, how good you are. <laughs> Death of a Salesman to me is number one. Michael, you've read Attention a lot of Attention must be paid. Yeah, you've read a lot of plays. Yeah, but the experience for me is many of these I've not... I've not seen the production of it. You read it, and yep. that's a different experience. Yes. Oh, absolutely. The acting brings so much more to it. But plays are written to be acted. Yes. They're written to be acted. She also said many would include an Edward Albee play on this list, but me not so much. So you know, she's not all highbrow. Her favorite guilty pleasure show is Bat Out of Hell, the musical, which she plans <laughs> to see again when we go to London for go. our theater fix this March. Assuming it's not already filled, I would like to nominate Dr. Julie Longhoffer as the official dramaturg of the Tony Kornheiser show, which is done. And anybody that throws Steinman into the mix, I love them as a result of yes. having done that. <laughs> I just love them. From Jeff Osterman in Lusby, Maryland, my contribution to what my dog ate game. <laughs> I had two lab retriever mixes as a kid that ate the mud flaps off my parents' car. They also drank a quart of mobile oil. Thankfully, not at the same time. Neither phased them one bit. I've been listening for 15 years. I never wrote in until the birthday number game from a couple of weeks ago. Apparently, birthday numbers and what my dog ate are the topics in my wheelhouse. From Mike Roseberry in State College, Pennsylvania. Dear soon-to-be Ingleside resident, the reading of Sunrise Sunset Times made for riveting content. Could you please give us a heads up as to when the discussion of favorite soups is going to occur? Because I really don't want to miss that. Good night. Uh, good luck on bingo night. And watch out. Mrs. Lieberman cheats. Great. Just, just great. Um, from Pete Effinger in uh, Akron, Ohio. It is said we stand on the shoulders of giants. Man's study of the solar system goes back to the ancient Incans, Egyptians, and the builders of Stonehenge. Our modern understanding of the sun and the planets can be traced back to ancient Greek philosophers as early as 500 BC. In the 16th century, astronomers Kepler and Copernicus mathematically described the elegant motion of heavenly bodies. And in the 17th century, some guy named Galileo risked his life facing heresy charges in front of the Inquisition in support of their modern heliocentric model of our solar system. But not until Nigel's research of sunrise and sunsets in the Washington, D.C. area over the past 12 days had we dotted all the I's and crossed all the T's in this century's long pursuit of knowledge. Kepler, Copernicus, Galileo, Nigel. That's the list. From Bill Garner in North Potomac, Maryland. My dad used to take us to Hojo in Williamsburg. I'd always get an ice cream cone with chocolate almond, chocolate with whole almonds. My record for one scoop was 16 almonds. I thought you'd like to know. From Teresa LaHaye in Springfield, Missouri. Tony Beeson's news about the closure of the last Howard Johnson's brought me back to the Hojo days of my youth. I was the oldest of six children of two hardworking parents in Little Rock who could give us what we needed but few extras. We never went on family vacations, but at least once a year we spent the weekend at Howard Johnson's in adjoining rooms. My three sisters and I had our own room, two double beds, our own bathroom, all those clean folded white towels, air conditioning, the pool right outside the door. My parents shared a room with my brother and baby sister. We check in on a Friday night and eat dinner in the restaurant. The ice cream was a special treat, though the advertised special was always the fried clams. Oh, sure, it's always fried <laughs> clams. Always fried clams. And they were breaded. 
Yes. Totally breaded yes, at Howard were. Johnson's. Mm-hmm. Saturday was a swimming. Saturday was swimming and laughing and jumping in the pool. My mom brought sandwiches for us to eat, Kool-Aid to drink, and we'd get ice cream for dessert. We slept so good those nights. Sunday morning, we'd go to my grandmother's for breakfast, then to church, then home. The Hojo was between our house and our grandmother's place, and we'd pass it all the time year-round. But for one or two weekends in the summer, it was on a different planet. This is so great. We felt happy and special there. Thanks for the memories. That's a great email. That's literature, kids. That's literature. So I'll step on it and read more. (laughs) From David Collier, not Casey Spink's stern Latin teacher and not yet Dina from Damascus' friend in Severna Park, Maryland. Dear Mr. Tony, I was elated to hear when Connecticut Yankee Chris raved about Bucky's to you. This Texas treasure is definitely worth a drop in. What Saliza failed to mention is that due to their meteoric success, or meteoric success, as some people have said, the chain has been expanding eastward. They're now located on our side of the Appalachians, at least in Georgia, outside Atlanta. In fact, I just checked in there, and now is a Bucky's off I-95 in Florence, South Carolina. That's where... Um, Eddie and Mindy were in Florence, South Carolina. So maybe Michael can check it out the next time he heads down to see Chan and Moni. And you must try their specialty, Hot Nuts. Bucky's, B-U-C-E-E-S, I think. Is that how it is spelled? That's what he says. From Brian Davis in Bethesda, Maryland. I deeply appreciate you and Wilbon speaking about the incredible Cotton Bowl where my two-lane Greenway of class 2013 defeated the powerhouse USC Trojans in epic fashion. The game got a little lost in the shadows, rightfully so because of DeMar Hamlin and Monday Night Football. And then listening to Chris talk about Bucky's on Wednesday's pod, I felt compelled to write in. I woke up at 5 a.m. on Monday morning, loaded the car in Austin, Texas with my wife, brother, and nine-month-old daughter, and drove three hours to the Cotton Bowl. Yeah, we were there. About an hour into our drive, we indeed stopped at Bucky's, where Chris did not sell it short, a cross between Costco, Sheets, and Wawa, with great swag, spectacular bathrooms, and food. We then picked up my father, Tulane alumni as well, at his hotel in Dallas and was off to watch our school of fine dining and gumbo defeat those guys from USC who actually play football. But I guess Tulane's a football school now. Roll wave. Roll <laughs> wave. I like that. We got, a lovely, um, we got a lovely cartoon from Eric Londrigan, which we get all the time, and they're also terrific. Um, it's, I feel, you can explain it. It's, I feel I'm forgetting something. And then there's me in the, in the mouth like, of a glove. It looks like a big hamburger helper mitt. Hamburger helper, is that what Just it is? Just hold it up yes. for News Channel 8. Yeah. Okay, I'm doing that now. From Harry Hawkins in Bristol, Connecticut. Some may know the best cheesesteak debate in Philadelphia to center around Pats and Geno's, but the locals will tell you that the true king is Ishka Bibbles on South Street. Oh, okay. Did you not? I know? don't know Ishka Bibbles. Okay. Um, not only a superior cheesesteak, but superior thick-cut Spanish-style fries that help mop up the grease and drippings. No contest, I can attest, eat that steak in Swiss, Saliza. P.S. My parents have a rescue dog named Bella. Here's a non-exhaustive list of things she has eaten over the last eight years. Tinfoil, a plastic container of hummus, magnesium dietary supplements, a chew toy, pillow feathers, raw deer meat that was certainly lying on the ground longer than whatever ended up in Michael's front yard. Do one more. Well done, Bella. Michael Nuttall from Cincinnati. The conversation on Wednesday show about the deer at Michael's house reminded me of when I was 11 and my dad hit a deer with his van out on a state route near our home in rural Ohio. My dad called the highway patrol to get the accident recorded, and at the end, the patrolman asked if he wanted the carcass to take to a butcher. My father answered with a quick, I wouldn't wish that on any butcher, and explained to me later that when he was a teenager, he worked part-time in a butcher shop in a small town nearby. 
He said on more than one occasion he was brought a dead deer for butchering after it had been hit by a car with hopes of harvesting any meat possible from it, and he described the enjoyment of the experience as somewhere between getting a root canal and sticking ice picks under my toenails. (laughs) That all said, you asked if it were possible to harvest meat from deer that had died on your property, and based off my dad's experience, it appears that is the case, though I'm sure knowing the cause of death, like running the deer over with your own vehicle, is an important factor to know when considering whether to eat it or not. Either way, deer meat makes great jerky if you're into dehydrated meat treats. I also have a story of my childhood dog, an overweight beetle named Annie, eating an entire five-pound bag of fortune cookies, fortunes and all, that I was keeping in my room. But that may need to wait for the another day. The plastic wrap. Need to wait for another day. If you're out on your bike tonight, everyone, as always, do wear white. You so love. And Ben. <laughs> for listening making ties of bind and thanks for your patience and thanks for all the good times if you like what you heard and you're feeling fine oh you can drop a tip right there if you're so inclined I'm not here for the money I'm not here for the show I know it sounds funny And it's just about time to go Enjoy the evening Moon shining above We've all got our reasons, Lord knows I do it for love Do it for love Some came from around here Some came from afar Some came for the dinner Some came for the bars Some claimed to be family Some claimed to be friends Oh some have been here for hours Some will leave even when it ends I'm not here for the money I'm not here for the show I know it sounds funny And it's just about time to go Enjoy the evening Moon shining above We've all got our reasons, Lord knows I do it for love I do it for love
for the show I know it sounds corny And it's just about time for us to go Enjoy the evening Moonshine it above We've all got our reasons, Lord knows I do it for love I do it Somewhere north of Lynchburg, there's a clearing by the tracks. I left there 40 years ago, no point in looking back. But what's that I hear coming? Feel it rumble neath the floor of trains rolling into Monroe. But they don't stop there anymore because it's gone, it's gone, yeah, it's gone, solid gone. And they pulled that station down. Now there's nothing to be found, and now it's gone. Well, granddaddy worked the yard crew, third shift for 40 years. His daddy before him, too, it was cold of sweat and tears. They were men short of stature, they were men of modest means. But they kept the Southern Crescent on time to New Orleans. But now they're gone, they're gone, yeah, they're gone, solid gone. And they pulled that station down. And we buried them in the ground, and now they're gone. Well, the old conductor sits alone, stares with sightless eyes. He hears a distant whistle, and he begins to cry. He's thinking about his family, and the jobs that went away. And he prays to God each night that they'll be back again someday. But now they're gone. They're gone, yeah, they're gone, solid gone, and they pulled that station down, and the jobs, they all left town, and now they're gone. Well, they busted down the roundhouse hall, every brick away, the post office and the hotel where the railroad man would stay, water tower and the ice house and the Sands and Company store, well, they not only ate the apple, hell, they gobbled up the core, but now it's gone, it's gone, yeah, it's gone, solid gone, and they pulled that station down, and the jobs, they all left town, and now it's gone.
last forever there ain't no guarantee except the song of the cicada on a sultry southern breeze press your ear against that rail until you hear the music in you they gave him his orders at monroe virginia now it's gone it's gone yeah it's gone solid gone and they pulled that station down and the jobs they all left town yeah they pulled that station down now there's no one left around yeah they pulled that station down now i'm i'm california bound california bound and i'm gone yes i'm gone clearly gone nearly gone Yes, somewhere north of Lynchburg, there's a clearing by the tracks. 